what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Hey there, fans, friends, and family. Welcome back to the Brand Breakdown. We're so happy you're with us. It's just after Christmas, and we had a very exhausting holiday, both of us. Um, but here we are, and oh, we're super excited to be back in the studio talking to you guys today. And we're doing something a little different, a little departure from the Royals. As you know, right now the Royals are going to be coming on Tuesdays, and then we'll have a weekly Royal wrap-up on Wednesdays. And then we're going to go back to just um, breaking down brands on Thursdays. So for this next episode, we're going to talk about nostalgia brands, nostalgia toys specifically. So um, we were just chatting, I don't know, a couple months ago, right, Courtney? And we were we're like, man, what would be what would be something fun to do, and around Christmas, and we were talking about how much toys um, are obviously a part of the Christmas celebration for all the kids that get new toys and whatever. We were talking about um, what makes a brand hit, why it hits, what the marketing is behind it, how the prices go crazy and the kids as well. And really, honestly, more than the kids, the parents. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about some of those brands and then some of the brands that really didn't hit. And then a couple of the scary brands. We were going to talk about um, just specifically scary brand. I really wanted to talk about the Ouija board, but um, I know, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Exactly. So I had all the research for the Ouija board and I don't think we're going to talk about it. So if you want to know about it, maybe we'll put some of the research in the comments and you can um, read all about the Ouija board. My mom would never let me play with them in our house when I was little because she was terrified of it, which is weird. I've never she's played not... with one. Yeah. And I've she's never known anybody person. who has. Okay. So we had one in boarding school. <laughs> we had one in boarding school and I won't go into all the specifics, but we used to play it in the closet. This is so sacrilegious actually. On Sundays when we were supposed to be in chapel, we would. I remember one specific occasion when we played with the Ouija board in the closet instead of going to, to chapel. I mean, jeez, oh, I know we were a bunch of heathens. Um, yeah, that's but anyway. like the exact opposite of what you should have been doing. <laughs> I, I know. Well, you know, I never. I, I mean, I don't I ever say that I was a great kid when I was a teenager. <laughs> No, I made a lot of mistakes, but um, it was really scary. We were all scared. I remember it like it was yesterday. So anyway, we're not going to talk about the Ouija, even though we just did. Um, but we are going to talk about, I want to start with the toy that I never got because um, my mom thought it was ugly. Can you um, <laughs> guess what it might have been? <laughs> what was the um, ugliest toy in the 80s? Come I on. don't know. What was it? It was the Cabbage Patch doll, dude. That thing was so ugly. No, excuse me. No, I had (laughs) Cornelia Elizabeth, and she had this long, curly, blonde hair, and she was the cutest thing in the whole wide world. She was not – don't ever call Cornelia Elizabeth ugly. She was the cutest little cherub. (laughs) She had the most smushed-in face ever. (laughs) And my mom told me, like, years later, I was like, why did you never buy me a couch pet doll? She's like, because it was hideous. <laughs> I didn't want it in my house. Oh, I swear no. I swear to you. It but was I was so cute. Oh, my God. It was not cute. But it was the most popular doll in, I think, 1981 um, was when it really, like, took off. Um, 
it was part of um like the original Appalachian artworks did the little the little people originals in 1978 and then it kind of morphed into this like little people pal but it really didn't do anything and then um this marketing guru called Roger Schlafer said you know what let's call them cabbage patch kids and we'll make a fortune and so they did um but in so Coleco, do you remember the you remember the toy company Coleco? I'm not sure they're still around, but they had like no. a little a little jingle or something. Those anyways, I cannot recall. I don't, According girl, you to your notes, it looks like they were yeah before my time. Yeah, you, you were not you were not even a twinkle in your. They filed eye. for bankruptcy when I was a year old. So, <laughs> dang, you're so young. You're like a you're like a tiny little baby. Um, anyway, so uh, in 1982, so they came out in 1981, and they were very very popular. But in 1982, dude, it went crazy, and. Honestly, it was like Black Friday before Black Friday. Stores were crazy. They were on Newsweek with Johnny Carson. The sales went over $2 billion by 1984. Oh and um, they, they were nuts. And I remember some of my friends that had them. I was so jealous. Um, really, like, honestly, like, envious, jealous, like, Seven Deadly Sins jealous because I wanted one so bad because they came with an adoption um an adoption certificate like it came like it's like you know what they do with um the cute build-a-bear now or whatever that mm-hmm. comes with the yeah. adoption so i think cabbage patch dolls like they invented that <laughs> and it came with an adoption sheet and they were all packaged so cute whatever so i was telling um my sweet carpool about my cabbage patch doll um obsession because I never got one the other day and one of one of the cute girls in my carpool she said that she still had all of hers and she sent me a picture and they were like all nested in this little like closet cupboard and it's kind of creepy actually (laughs) it is a little creepy but hilarious that she still had all of them and she was like you could come play with my cabbage patch dolls (laughs) we live your childhood I know. I thought, well, I could put it in a little stroller and take it out for a stroll. And then my neighbors <laughs> will think I'm that crazy old lady with like the fake baby doll. You know, the ones on the street that you see. Yeah. You're like, have you ever uh, seen that? Yeah. 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 The, the ladies who are um, pushing their shopping carts down the street with all their worldly possessions in them. And we're like, what yeah. are you doing? Yes. Yes. And they got the baby doll, whatever. So you had a cabbage patch doll even when you were little? Because I didn't even yeah. realize they so, stayed around. I got a Cabbage Patch doll. I don't, I kind of like, I remember having her always. So I don't know how old I was when I got her, but I must've been pretty young. And I had her for a while. And it's weird because I was not, I wasn't actually like a kid who played with toys a lot. And I didn't have like baby dolls and stuff like that. I mean, I had them. I just didn't ever play with them. And like, we had Barbies that my, you know, my parents and my grandmother and my aunts would get me and my sister's Barbies. And like, we just had no use for them. I was I was a kid who like, I liked to read. I liked to go outside and play. I just didn't know how to like play with toys. Um, and I still don't. And it drives my children crazy because they're like, mm-hmm. play with me. And I'm like, I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> oh, I sorry, can give kids. you lessons. That's really sweet and sad at the same time. Isn't it? They're always like, come play. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Um, and it was funny last night I was playing with one of, I was playing with the little the littlest one, Dagan. And he got this big, huge, like, Paw Patrol construction tower thing for Christmas from Santa. And he was like, Mama, come play with me. And I was like, okay, I don't know how. He's like, all right, well, you be this truck. 
and like you come over here i was like what do i do so i just like moved to the truck and he's like no no no, you have to back up and i was like all right so i'm trying to like back it up he's like you got to make the noise and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm like this is like a lot i'm like can't i just like put the truck next to the thing and he's like no you gotta be the truck and i was like okay kid I, I, I don't even understand what's happening right now because you're a creative like i don't understand like you're part of the creative team like I don't, how are yeah. you not creative with toys so like, that's a okay. whole part of the thing <sighs> Okay, here's this thing. This is going to be like a complete, complete sidebar. Maybe we just like edit this out because nobody else will care. Maybe something, actually, maybe people will be very interested in this. Um, So I recently, I think I might have told you this before. I don't have dreams. Like I fall asleep and I wake up. And like maybe once or twice a year, I'll have a dream that I remember that had like images to it or that I remember in general, but that like also had some like imagery to it. But I don't have dreams. Um, and so I always thought that was like, when people would say they would have like dreams at night, I didn't really get it. And then I like a couple, maybe like a year ago, I was reading this article. I think it was in the Atlantic and it was about this condition. It's called aphantasia. And basically it's a lack of mental imagery. So if someone says like, oh, you know, like think of a bird, people will think of a bird and they'll think of like the image of a bird in their head. And I don't, I don't like see images in my head. I just know what a bird looks like. And I can describe something to somebody because I have the words to describe it. And it's like all, I was telling my husband, I was like, it's like the alt text, like all of the alt text is in my brain, but I don't see the images of stuff. So like, I know what, who somebody is or what a person looks like, because I just know who they are. But I'm also really bad at faces. And I always have this thought because you and I have never actually met in person, but we see each other like on video chat and stuff. And I've always had this thought of if you like came here and I went to pick you up at the airport, I might not recognize you at first because I've never seen you in person. So my brain doesn't have that like right amount of information because I'm really bad at faces. And so. Which you know I'm the total opposite, right? Have we had this conversation? No, we haven't. I'm a super recognizer. Do you know what that is? No. So a super recognizer is someone who can literally pick out a face out of thousands of people. Really? Like, yes. That's nuts. Well, no, good. No, then no. if we ever meet at the airport, <laughs> you'll know who I am and you'll be able to get your ride home because <laughs> you'll be able to find me. It's so funny. Um, they did a study at like Oxford or Cambridge or one of those places or whatever, where they, um, they were asking people to take these tests to see whether or not they were super recognizers. But ostensibly, like if you were going to be able to pick out before all the um, the London cameras or whatever, that you could pick like a terrorist out of a big crowd of people, right? Even if it's people that all kind of look similar, you were able to pick out the one person. And mm-hmm. so I took all of the tests that they um that they give oh. you to see whether or not you're a super recognizer. And I was, a, I mean, there's only like one person in the world that are super recognizers and I was a super recognizer. Oh my God. Now I That's can't even crazy. say it. Super recognizer. Yeah. I could pick out like crazy amounts of people with just the slightest differences in their faces. Um, That's now, so interesting. Yeah. So the most interesting part was my husband was like, ooh, what a fantastic skill. How are are you going to use that, honey? Which I've never been able to. I was like, well, maybe I can go be like part of MI6 or something. Yeah, go be a spy. And he was like, yeah, they have cameras on every single corner now. They don't need your your skills. (laughs) 
So yeah, facial recognition software putting you out of a potential spy job. Right? <laughs> AI took my potential job. That's so sad. Uh, I could have been robots. Jane Bond, right? <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. We're complete opposites in that. Yeah, because I'm looking up this thing right now. It says aphantasia affects 1% to 3% of the population. So I'm in the 1% to 3% of the exact opposite end of the spectrum as you. But I, So I think that was like a long way of saying, and actually I want to tie this back to the toy thing in a second, but... I think that's why I'm bad at playing with toys because I can't like imagine that like a scene. You know what I mean? I could write it. I could like write someone a story all day long, but I can't look at something. I'm really bad at like graphic design stuff too. And I can't look at a blank page and be like, oh, I know what I'm going to make this ad look like or something. I can look at something once it exists and say, oh, move this, change this, do whatever. But I'm every graphic designer's worst nightmare because I can't give you direction <laughs> to start. I can only tell you what I don't like <laughs> or what I want changed once I see it. So I know every graphic designer on the planet hates me for that. And I apologize. Um, that is so crazy. That is so are crazy. You good at weird, are you like amazing at Where's Waldo? Oh, hell yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> anything like that. Like I can find anything like my husband, cause I have an eidetic memory. So like if this is, this is a, a walk of shame right here, but my, <laughs> my refrigerator sometimes looks a little bit like a Tetris game. And <laughs> so my husband will say like, Oh my God, I can't find my ketchup. And I know just by like visualizing it in my head, exactly where the ketchup is. So I'll be like, it's on the first shelf at the back next to the milk underneath the butter. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and because I can, you know, kind of, I see everything in my head. I have tons of images all the time. If I'm writing a story or writing an ad or um, recording radio or doing commercials or whatever, I always see them in my head before I write them down. Like I see That's it all. so interesting. Yes. Yeah. I like, I don't see, so like I don't have dreams. I don't see a picture in my head like I said it's like I have like the alt text in my head though so like I know what it is and I I have like like I was just trying to describe it to my husband I'm like I just know like if you say like oh a blue jay and like you might think of a blue jay and think of what it actually look actually looks like and apparently you may see a picture of it in your head which is like wild to me I just know instinctively kind of what a blue jay looks like um and I can describe it to you because I have all the words to describe what it looks like, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it in there. And I always thought it was when people said like they could see something in their mind's eye or like when people say they were daydreaming, mm -hmm. I always thought those were just figures of speech. That just meant people were like, like, I don't, like, I didn't, I didn't realize there was actual images involved. Oh my God, <laughs> I daydream things. all the time. My whole life is one big daydream. Honestly. That's crazy. That's oh crazy, crazy. It's so crazy. I would love to do a functional MRI of your brain because oh I God. find all of your things so fascinating. All right, we got to tie this back to toys. So anyway, tying back to toys, you cannot act like you're a truck. Uh, on the no, other hand, I, can't. I can act like I'm a truck. Um, so which toy were we talking about again? Were we talking Cabbage about Cabbage Kids? <laughs> How did we? <laughs> that was a really long segue. Um, we might leave it in. And then if you just want to skip that part, you know, beep, fast forward. Um, okay. So I'm going to segue from the Cabbage Patch dolls to Madame Alexander, because when I asked for the Cabbage Patch doll, my mom instead got me a Madame Alexander doll. <laughs> so, I mean, which are, you know, arguably much prettier. Um, the one I remember in particular was Victoria. She was just beautiful. But anyway, the Madame Alexander doll started in 1923 by Beatrice Alexander in New York. The very first one was Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind. Have you ever seen um, Gone with the Wind? 
I have not seen Gone with the Wind. I haven't seen, remember, I haven't seen most movies. (laughs) I know, but it's kind of a classic. Have you read the book? No, I have not read the book. Scarlett O'Hara was the first Madame Alexander doll. So I was um, talking to some of my friends and asking them, what were your favorite dolls and this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, I have these Madame Alexander dolls that my mom gave me. (laughs) And she said, at some point, she realized they were really expensive. And so instead of letting me play with them, she hung them from like a string or like a, maybe like a, um, you know, some kind of string like thing above her bed. <laughs> so, oh, God. They were, <laughs> so they were like, like a clothesline of yes, creepy yes, dolls looking at yes, you at night. Yes. Uh. Okay. And she, all right. And she, she was like, it was terrifying because I would open my eyes and all these little eyes would be open and staring at me in the middle of the night. And I was okay. like, oh, I know, I know. It just took cool. Madden Alexander to a whole different place. <laughs> anyway, that was um that was one of the stories. I got so many stories when I was asking about um, you know, what were your favorite toys and things like that from like friends and fans and stuff. It was so so funny what people said. Um, I think I told you, like, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers the Laura Ingalls Wilder doll, but I think it was just Laura Ingalls at the time. Um, does it, did you watch, did you watch Little House on the Prairie ever? I read the Little House on the Prairie books, but when the TV show was on, I was little. So I never, I know there was a TV show and like I remember it existing, but I don't think I ever watched it. But I did read the books when I was in elementary school. Well, so um, I got this doll, this Laura Ingalls doll, when I was in Belgium when I was little. And I know I told you this a couple of weeks ago. And then my mom gave it to my um, half-sister mm-hmm. when we left Belgium, and I was heartbroken. And there we are, and I lost my Laura Ingalls doll. And here Aww. we are, like, 40 years later, and I'm like, oh, my God. I still Welcome miss that to life doll. with sisters. <laughs> Um, so tell me a little bit about what makes a toy big. Um, you were going to explore from a branding perspective how that even happens. Um, yeah. So I was really curious about like who who decides like a toy is going to be huge and how does that happen and where does it come from? Especially when you consider, for example, Tickle Me Elmo is the first toy that I remember being Like everybody had to have it. People were going nuts for it. And this was in 1996. So I was only like nine years old, but I had a younger sister who was three. And I remember my parents scored a Tickle Me Elmo and they were psyched. And it's like, okay, but she was three. So I know that three-year-old, looking back now, I know that the three-year-old did not care that much about a Tickle Me Elmo. And I don't think we even were really big like Elmo fans in my house, but my parents knew that like she had to have this toy. So I did a little bit of research because that's what I do. I do research. And (laughs) it seems that there are basically two things that determine what's going to be the it toy of the season. And one is just that kind of supply and demand. When kids see other kids with something, they want it. And if it is something that isn't necessarily easy to get a hold of because maybe it was created in a small run at first or it's some sort of collectible edition like the Beanie Babies or Pokemon cards or whatever, um, that makes people just kind of frantic for them because you want what other people have. So there's that psychology there. And then the other thing is all of the research that the toy makers do 
And every time I say the word toy maker or read the word toy maker, I think of like elves, <laughs> at like the North Pole. But what we really mean is like Hasbro and Mattel. But <laughs> all of the research that they do into like what what are kids going to like this year? And so they kind of take a look at what's already on the market, where they could fill a gap on the market. And they do a ton of research. And there's usually for every one year where there's a toy that was like the hit toy of the year and everybody needed it, there's probably six years where like no toy was a standout toy because the toy makers just kind of like didn't hit the nail on the head. But they do a lot of kind of just like market research and seeing where they can fill a gap. And one of the articles that I thought was really interesting was talking about how Legos for like years and years had been trying to figure out how can we get girls to play with Legos because they had been, well, historically, I guess, Legos were kind of just seen as a a boy's toy. And Lego was like, we can make this a girl toy. Like girls like playing with Legos too, but they don't tend to ask for a Lego set for their birthday or whatever. How can we, you know, get girls asking for Legos? And so they created this Lego set that they had a lot of failed attempts, but they finally found one that really resonated with girls. And it was creating different little Lego worlds or whatever with the little characters that had like meaningful jobs. So it was like Lego doctor, Lego fashion designer, Lego engineer, but all kind of geared toward girls, which means it had a pink box. And so even though little girls loved this set and it actually did really well for Legos, there was so they got so much backlash for it because people were like, why does it have to be purple? Like, why is the box purple? And why is everything in it pink? And how come it can't just be a regular branded Lego set. And Legos was like, you know, we were trying to get girls interested in this. We did it in a way that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, little girls, like just baby dolls in kitchens, you know, it was engineers and doctors and stuff. And they went with pink because, or pink and purple packaging because they said that when they did their market research, little girls were more drawn to the pink and purple packaging. So That's why they did that because they were, you know, branding their product and they still face backlash, even though they did create a toy that filled a gap in the market. That was a huge hit that it wasn't really, you know, tickle me Elmo level, but it was a big hit that year and they still got backlash for it. And so I thought that was really interesting too, that even when they do all the research and they get it all right, someone's always going to have something to say about it. For example, how I'm going to say tickle me Elmo was kind of creepy. Oh, uh, yeah. I kind of thought Tokyo <laughs> was sort of creepy, too. That laugh. <laughs> yeah. That laugh. Oh, my God. Well, we have and, one in my house right now because he has you, persisted to this day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ours one. are long gone. I think my son had one when he was little. But my daughter had pink Legos. But my son's Lego collection far outstrips my daughter's because I would like he just yesterday and he is um, a teen, uh, like a teenager. He just yesterday built a Bugatti that he got for Christmas. Oh, now he gets the bigger sets now, you know, like the several thousand piece sets and yeah. he builds them in a couple of hours. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. He, well, he's a, he's a Lego master. Like he loves that show actually Lego masters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, uh, to step on Legos cause it feels good. Just kidding. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, it's the worst. It's at the absolute worst. The pain is unbearable at three o'clock in the morning. But, um, anyway, he, um, He's been doing Legos since he was probably like two or three. He couldn't read, but he would open the book and 
he can mm-hmm. he understood the design and so he would build legos without knowing how to read just by looking at the pictures when he was like three and four um he really he has an engineer's brain but um anyway we love legos but you know legos were kind of um they were sort of the danish doppelganger of the britain's kitty craft which i don't know anyone who plays with those maybe except for british people um Never heard of it. but like You've never, see exactly, but Lego's like so huge now, and they. I really think that when Lego started kind of um, matching up with like Star Wars and Marvel and DC and doing all that, mm-hmm. like I just remember when my son, in particular, obviously was little, and they started coming out with all the Marvel and the DC. I mean, he couldn't get enough Legos. Like there was not enough Legos in the world for him to build all those things. He loved them so much. Um, which is that pop culture thing has really cemented Lego's legacy, I think. Yeah. I read something when I was doing the research for this that said that Legos puts out 100 sets per year, like 100 new designs per year. So if you couldn't find enough Legos for him to do, it's because you weren't looking hard enough because there's 100 (laughs) a year. (laughs) Well, believe me, he's got a whole built-in shelf. It's, It's six shelves filled with all the models that he's built six so cool yeah i mean he has so so many we even have some in our living room because they were so pretty like once they were Mm -hmm. built they looked like something that you built they didn't even look like legos they were like like a beautiful thing there's one we have we have a big ship that was um legos and it's in our living room um but we we love legos and i mean i remember um playing with legos as a kid you know like Mm -hmm. i didn't like him as much as i liked you know barbie but um i did our lincoln logs i loved lincoln logs and tinker toys but i did like them now barbie's someone who's kind of come and gone and come and gone and come and gone have you i know you haven't seen the movie um no i have i saw it what you saw that one i saw yeah that one i saw (laughs) oh my god it was so good did you love it i loved it i thought it was really cute i it was a it was just a good feel good movie i know some people had some you know they had some thoughts about it, but I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. I loved it. I thought it was so cute. But, you know, Barbie Boy has had a lot of ups and downs, you know, because of everything that she talks about in the movie, if you've seen the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved Barbie dolls, although I did strip them naked and cut their hair all the time when I was a kid. Um, I just didn't know what to do. Again, it goes back to, like, no imagination. I, like, didn't know what to do with them. I'm like, okay, so we just pretend these things are talking to each other. And I'm like, well, I could just go, like, talk to a real person instead of pretending I'm having a conversation with a toy. And I never yeah. I never got it. I never got the, like, I don't know. I was a weird kid. I, I liked to read as a kid. I was a, I was a nerd. I liked to read. <laughs> I like to read, too, but I really like to play with my Barbies, especially my Charlie's Angels Barbies. Like, Charlie's Angels was, like, a big deal when I was a kid. And I don't know how he found them, but um, my dad found some Charlie's Angels Barbie dolls. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I I played, like, you know, I was Farrah Fawcett, and then I was Jacqueline Smith, and then I was the other one. I can't ever remember her name. Um, Kate something. Kate. Oh, dang it. Anyway, um, I loved Barbie dolls. I played with them all the time. So one of the things that people wrote me about uh, over and over and over again um, were light brights. Do you remember the light bright? Yeah, I had one and my kids have one. Oh, light man. Light bright I was a fan of. Oh, God. Light bright was so cool. Um, a lot of my friends had him. And here's something funny that happened in the 70s and 80s, which you will not remember. The light bright came with these little pieces of paper, right? Did you have that 
that when you were yeah, little? Like the black, they still come yeah, yeah, the black paper. Okay, yeah. so it, that paper was really expensive. Um, I don't know if you know this. But I did not know I, that. <laughs> yeah, it was expensive. And especially in the 70s and 80s, it was very expensive to purchase because it came with like a few sheets of paper. And then if you wanted more, you had to go to the toy store or to the, you know, the five and dime or whatever to get more. And that paper was expensive. So we would do the original light bright. And I'm, I'm, one of my friends was telling me this. She was like, I used the same paper over and over again because yeah. we couldn't buy more paper. So you had to use the the same paper over and over again, um, which is so funny because nowadays, like if you're like, oh my God, I'm out of paper, you'll just run right out to the store and buy your kid 50 more sheets, right? Right. Order it but on Amazon the, and have it the next day. Right, exactly. But in the 70s and 80s, like our parents didn't do that. They were like, dude, you get what you get <laughs> and you don't pitch a fit. You know, I don't know that I ever got like a light, bright paper refill maybe my parents got us more and like just didn't tell us they were giving us more but I don't remember ever I don't remember ever having run out but I know we reused the paper all the time like to the point where it was like okay now there's mostly just giant holes in this paper instead of like little tiny dots Um, right but my parents must have got more and just like not told us or they must have like put it away and just doled it out very carefully (laughs) that's probably what happened your mom was much better at that than some of our moms because our moms just let us use all that crap up. And then we're, they were like, meh, sorry, <laughs> go play with <laughs> another toy. But now it's different. So now when you do it, um, it doesn't have the paper as much anymore. Does your kids still have paper? Yeah, they have it. It doesn't, now I can't, now I don't know. I think it's just kind of like a black piece of plastic that just has like a million holes in it. And you can just put the pegs wherever you want. Yeah. And I think that you can do, I think there's like a flat screen version. Um, yeah. like it's just a touch, a touch version or whatever. Um, and then like, there's a 3d version, but the best honestly was when we were kids and you poked the paper, which I think that was so much better. I think the anyway, one my kids have, like they still have, you can still get the paper to put over the black screen so you have something to trace kind of because you still have to know like what the pattern is. But the screen has all like you kind of still need the paper, I guess, you know, because yeah. it acts as yeah. the pattern for you. I'm sure my kids had one when I was little but or when they were little, but I don't. I don't remember it. Now I'm going to have to ask my husband. He'll remember. Um, the, another one that people wrote me about over and over again was the little people. Do you remember the Fisher-Price little people? I do. You know, my little... cousins had those. I didn't oh, have man, any, I had my those. cousins had them. Oh, I loved them so much. I had the schoolhouse. Lots of people talk about the family barn, which was like the OG of the little people play sets. But um, I had the schoolhouse, which opened all the way up. And then you could put all the students in the chairs and, you know, play school and whatever. And on the outside, you could put like um, letters that because it was magnetic. Um, Mm -hmm. And my kids still played with that when they they were coming up. I mean, we saved that and they played with it. But I loved little people and everyone, everyone wrote me about little people, like how much they loved it, how it was such an integral part of their childhood. There are 2 billion little people in the world. 2 billion. Gosh. Yeah. They're sold in 60 countries. My goodness. (laughs) That's crazy. I know. It's like one in three people have a little people. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know. 
I'm telling you, they're like the MVP of the toy world. Um, they're, they're, they're good things. And they're still around. They're still around. Um, but now they do more. Like when we were little, we had to imagine everything that they did. Now they come with little sets that do more, you know, like, you know, going places and doing things and whatever. Mine were just mostly in the schoolhouse trying to learn in the industrial, <laughs> re- <laughs> in the industrial revolution way. Everybody lined up. Um, my son tells me that all the time. He's like, you know, we all still learn in school the way they did during the Industrial Revolution. He's like, I think it's despicable. We should all be allowed to free range in school. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, kids. So um, any did you have any favorite toys when you were growing up? Like any kind of nostalgia toy? Um, I don't know. Like, it's so weird. I can't. I don't. Like, I remember I had my Cabbage Patch doll, Cornelia. I had this, like, puppy dog stuffed animal. I think he was, like, a beagle, and I used to pretend he was a real dog, and I would put, like, a jump rope around his neck and pretend it was a leash and, like, drag him around the house and be like, Mom, get me a dog. Look how good I can take care of this stuffed animal. And she was like, that is not the same. Um, (laughs) But otherwise, I just didn't – like, I liked to play board games. I liked to read. I liked to play cards. I liked to go outside. I wasn't really like a toy kid. Like we had every toy, like between my sister, my two sisters and I, we had like every single toy that ever was created. And I just never, never knew what to do with them. I was like, eh, I'll just go read every single babysitter club book there is on the planet mm, instead. I didn't like the babysitter club. <laughs> what about a magic eight ball? That's not really a toy, man. That was like, I liked the magic the eight ball. Yeah. I loved to pretend that that little thing could tell me, like, was I really going to marry the boy I had a crush on in third grade? And, you know, was I going to get a good grade on my spelling test? <laughs> oh, man, I love the Magic 8-Ball. I don't know how many times I asked it, am I going to get in trouble for this whatever? <laughs> <laughs> Is my friend going to find out that I used her lipstick? Um, Ew. <laughs> That was just for you. Lip products. That was just for you. Um, You know what toy I remember being obsessed with? I don't even know if it's really a toy. I think it is. I don't know. My grandparents had one of those like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a bunch of pegs, like a bunch of metal pegs. And you like put your hand on it. It would make like the imprint of your hand or you like put it on your face and make like the imprint of your face. Oh yeah, that's a toy. I don't know what that... I don't know what it's called or what its purpose was besides making imprints of your hand. But like me and my cousins would go to my grandparents' house and we would play with that thing for hours. Maybe because my grandparents didn't have a ton of toys at their house for us to play with. So that's like all we could find. But we loved that thing. I will say my grandmother and I had like a book club. Like up until my grandmother died, we used to like one of us would buy a book and read it and then send it to the other one with like little notes in it being like, oh, I loved this part or like, oh, I thought you'd really like this book. And my grandmother and I had a book club. So I guess I was an old soul and I just liked to read my whole life. And I was that's just, like, really little... sweet. That's isn't really, so really, cute? really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really sweet. Um, what about the Rubik's Cube? You had to have had that. We have like 20 in this house right in a second. I just got one for Connor for Christmas this year. He like saw one online and he's like, I I need a Rubik's cube. And I was like, okay. And I used to, I've never completed it. I Mm. am so impressed. Like if somebody can complete a Rubik's cube in a day, I think that's incredible. But those people who can do it in like a second, Mm -hmm. I don't even understand. I don't even understand how they do it. He can do it in like, mm, he can probably do it in like 30 seconds. 
That's insane. Like yeah. how? I don't even get it. It's it's an engineer's brain, dude. Like I'm telling you, like it's uh, it is not for the right brain people. It is the left brain people all the way. That thing's been around since like 1974, I think. Um, yeah, because I and, bet they're wicked addicting. If you oh, think you yeah. might be close to getting it, I've oh never even God. close. So I'm just yeah. like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So the thing that you're talking about is a speed cuber. So that's a group of people who can solve it so fast you'd think they were cheating. They have competitions all over the world to do it. Yeah. Um, I see like the videos of it and I'm like, this is nuts. Oh yeah. My son got really obsessed with the Rubik's Cube last year and he went out and like studied the Rubik's Cube and learned all the algorithms and did all that. And then he got in the, yeah, so that he could get, you know, pull that thing out and carpool and solve it in two minutes. Um, or 20 seconds, whatever. Yeah, the Rubik's Cube was huge. That was a global phenomenon. That was one of the things that every single person had to have was the Rubik's Cube. I remember that from when I was growing up, like when I got my first Rubik's Cube and I thought I was super cool. Um, so yeah, for sure, the Rubik's Cube was a big deal. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk a little bit about the toys that were from the Toy Hall of Shame. Um, because there were some pretty controversial toys back in the day, Uh, you know, the Ouija board notwithstanding. Um, do you, do you remember Barbie's pregnant pal Midge? They talked about her in the movie. Yes, I do. I always thought that was a little, little bit of an odd choice for them. Right? Uh, (laughs) Right? Like you could, her stomach was like rip and reveal. Like you could Velcro, it was Velcroed on. And you just like pulled that off and were like, hey, mom, where do babies come from? So yeah. weird. It was yeah. It was just like a kind of, like it was weird because it was like, why would they create a toy that would invite so many questions and provide literally no answers? And it was just kind of like, we're not really promoting this type Pregnancy. of situation. <laughs> yeah. And so, was she like a single mom? Like, right, exactly. Like, like although I, it was like early 2000s. So maybe that was around the time of like that show Teen Mom. Like maybe that was where they were going with that. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and then there was like the Harry Potter broom. You, did you ever read all the Harry Potter books? Yeah. I'm sure I read you all did. books. I've seen okay. all movies a thousand so, times. You remember you remember the vibrating Nimbus two thousand? So it was I like a, do not. <laughs> okay, so it was a broom that kids could ride around on, and it vibrated. <laughs> so, that seems inappropriate, <laughs> right? Seems so, like a misstep. Yeah, that was um, that was not a good one. The uh, Harry Potter broom, the vibrating Nimbus. What? Um, so then there was the, uh, the not, the not so progressive cleaning trolley. So I, I don't, I, I can't remember when it came out, but it wasn't that long ago. And it was like, um, teaching girls that their future lay in mops and brooms. <laughs> nice. That's, my, that's a great message for <laughs> the youth of our nation. My cleaning trolley for girls. Good times. Good times. Um, oh, oh, this one was a good one. So did you ever see the stuffed animals that were like um, for clinical depression? Like it was like what? marketed. No. Yes. They were German and they were marketed to help kids with mental health issues um, oh. that they should. Yeah. That you would could tell your little fuzzy friend all your problems. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that one was weird. I don't know. I don't Cute. know what happened there. Um, and then uh, AK forty sevens. So they they did um 
the little toy gun that was an AK-47. Um, and that was, that one did not, that one did not go over. That one did not go over well. Um, yeah. And then black canary Barbie, where she was like, uh, moonlighting as a dominatrix. Like it was, yeah, it was like some, she was in like a really weird outfit, which made her look like she was, um, you know, giving off vibes that were, you know, not, not wholesome. I'm Googling while we're talking. It's what she, okay. So Black Canary is a DC comic book character. Right. But yeah, her outfits, that's, um, that's not appropriate for, (laughs) even the makeup on her isn't appropriate for like. I know it's weird. It's weird. That's that's not a little kid toy. (laughs) It's not as weird as the Ebola plush toy. (laughs) Like what? Yes, a they bola? made a plush toy. Yes, they made like, did a plush it toy from its <laughs> eyes or something. I don't <laughs> even know. I don't even know. I don't. Can you imagine? You're like, no. here, honey. Here's your Ebola hemorrhagic fever plush toy. <laughs> um, that was a good one. So then they made Breaking Bad figurines. Now, like, I love Walter White, but um, that's so weird. That's so weird. They came with tiny crystal meth accessories. Oh, that seems like a great, <laughs> my God. I know. Like who would even get that for their, like, what's the age, the target age of that? Like Breaking Bad wasn't targeting kids, obviously, like teenagers, maybe, but then they're not going to play with action figures. That I don't know. so weird. I don't know. I think that, um, I think that <clears throat> my son would love to have a Breaking Bad Walter White toy, but- really? Oh, yeah. He loves Breaking Bad. Now, he's, you know, 14, so um, he thinks that's fascinating. But he's not interested in drugs or anything. He just thinks it's fascinating that the guy was, like, this brilliant scientist Mm -hmm. who created this product that was so unbelievably pure, and he was trying to help his family and ended up (laughs) a huge drug dealer. Like, he thinks the story's good. Anyway. Yeah, the story's great. Yeah. Action figure, less so. (laughs) Not so great. Um, There were so many toys when I was looking up, like toys that you can't even like fathom how, like the teddy bear, you know, um, everybody has a teddy bear came from Teddy Roosevelt because the the whole, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but the the legend is is that he wouldn't shoot a bear. And so they started this whole teddy bear thing. And then teddy bears are born. Um, They're just so many nostalgia toys that um that we could talk about do you have any others that you think were like you really needed to put out there you can well so what i was when you were talking about the like big miss toys i kept thinking about and i feel like this was actually really popular but i don't know how it worked but remember they had a barbie where you could cut her hair and then like pull more hair out of her head and then (laughs) but well they had one where like you could cut her hair and then like pull her hair out of her head and then like now her hair regrew and then you could like cut it again. Um, and I'm like, I always wonder, I never had one, but I always, I remember being little and being like, at some point the hair ends, right? Like at some point this Barbie breaks because there's no more hair to cut in there. And then what happened? Like, was there a refill that you could buy? Or then did you just have like a bald Barbie doll because you cut her hair one too many times? So I wasn't sure how that played out or if you remembered at all. I, I didn't like have that refill. one. I just cut all their hair off and, and then they were bald. But I do remember Baby Alive. Now, do you remember Baby Alive? You fed it food and yeah, then it Yeah, those are it out. so creepy. Uh-huh. So creepy. 
So I left my baby alive doll, which I loved with all my heart. Yes. I left it on the terrace at my, like when I was little at my mom's house, when I was growing up, I left it on the terrace one night and I went back in the morning to get it. And it had ants all (gasps) in its cavities. I'm pretty sure I had to throw out. That's disgusting. (laughs) And I think it probably got moldy. Like, think about, like, it was, like, pooping stuff out. Like, I think it probably got moldy because that stuff was nasty. Um, But I loved it. Oh, I loved it so much. I fed that thing so much food. I used to make my mom buy. Now, that is something I made my mom buy over and over again was the food for the Baby Alive doll, which I'm sure (laughs) was very expensive. (laughs) Because I loved, I loved, I loved baby dolls. A lot of my baby dolls had biblical names. Like I had Moses and um, Ruth and um, then I had oh. goldfish like St. Peter. I feel like they, like. You had a goldfish, goldfish named St. Peter? <laughs> yeah. And when he died, <laughs> I wrote him a eulogy <laughs> and oh then God. flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> it oh, was geez. called Ode, Ode to St. Peter. Yeah. Ode to St. Peter. Loved him. Oh, gosh. He lived for years. He he was the one that, you know, you got at your, you know, the kids. Um, oh, when you have yeah, the, like the school fair or whatever. Yeah, the school so fair, yeah. ping pong. Yeah. yeah, it was at Freaky Friday one year and I threw my ping pong over and came back with a goldfish and he lived for years. And I'm pretty sure it's because his name was St. Peter. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> he was awesome. So um, anyway, just to kind of wrap it up. So if you think about all the toys in the last hundred years, like I'm going to go just through a couple from each decade since the 20s. So in the 20s, the yo-yo was born, 1920s. Hmm. Um, I don't right. know anybody who didn't own a yo-yo, right? And then in the 30s, Mickey yeah. Mouse, obviously. Um, and then the Viewmaster. Did you have that? Like it, um, yes. you like put Yeah, the, we had a Viewmaster. Oh, God. oh, I freaking love that thing, man. And the Sock Monkey was the 30s, too. The 30s are a big, a big year for toys. Um, the 40s, the Slinky and the Magic 8 Ball and Legos. I love the Slinky. Slinky. Sli- oh, am I allowed to sing that? Now I might get sued. I don't know. Um, I think so. It was less than 10 seconds. You should be fine. It was less than 10 seconds. Um, the 1950s, boy, I don't know if people in the United States were like like really super wealthy in the 50s, but like a million toys came out in the 50s. You had Silly Putty and the Little People and Mr. Oh, Potato Head. I love Silly Putty. I love Silly Putty. <laughs> I did too. Did you do it with the cartoons? Like the, um, you take yes, the Sunday like cartoons? put it on a newspaper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, I loved that so much. Peanuts was my favorite cartoon when I was little. Um, and then later, Calvin and Hobbes. I loved Calvin and Hobbes. I loved Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, and Garfield. So, I liked to and read Garfield. Garfield too. Oh, me too. Um, and um, what was the one? Family Circle. I liked Family Circle too. It was a good one. Uh, maybe we'll do comics at one point because comics, well, that'd be boy, fun. Yeah, I loved comics. Um, Plato was born in the 50s. Frisbee was born in the 50s. Fake hmm. vomit. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anybody who didn't have fake vomit. Ooh, the hula hoop. I loved the hula hoop growing up. That was good times. Um, in the 60s, now you remember the Etch-A-Sketch. Man, I love that thing. I, I really we have one. At it. My kids yeah. have an Etch-A-Sketch. Sure, I, do too. It's one of those things where like, some people can do such crazy things on an Etch-A-Sketch and I'm always so jealous because I can't like I can't draw a straight line with a ruler in real life. And then for some reason, the Etch-A-Sketch even harder, obviously, 
And yeah. I was always like, I don't get it, but I like when people can draw like crazy cool stuff on it. My um my husband can do crazy stuff on that etch a sketch and I am a total etch a sketch dud. I can't really do anything. <laughs> dud. Um I'm a total dud. So the sixties that also was the easy bake oven, which I did love that thing. <gasps> love the easy bake oven. I want to hear a story about the easy bake oven. Yes, I do. So Hasbro is based like right where I live. And my friend, my like best friend growing up, her dad worked at Hasbro. I don't know what his job was, but we got to be the testers for all of the Easy Bake Oven flavors. And so he would come home from work with like all of the new things that they were like testing out. And we used to get to try all the Easy Bake Oven cakes and stuff like that first before they were in the stores. That is so cool. Right? And actually, because Hasbro is based around here, there's like a lot of like you can sign your kids up to be like toy testers around here. And like you sign up for this lottery and your kid goes to Hasbro for a day and they like – let them play with toys and they do all the little market research groups and stuff. Not fun. That's super cool. Oh man. I'm, I'm jealous of you like from 40 years ago. Um, (laughs) that's really cool. Hot wheels were born in the sixties. My best friend loves hot wheels. So does my son. So does my husband, but I remember she played with hot wheels. Yeah. They feed them to dinosaurs. Actually. I don't know if they really play with the car so much as their dinosaur food in my house. Yeah. Like those big, huge, like Jurassic park toys. Oh, yeah. We had all that Jurassic Park stuff. You know, one of my really close friends is a paleontologist in New York, and she has the coolest job. Like That is the coolest job ever. Right? I mean, I'm super jelly of her job. Oh, super jelly of her job. (laughs) Um, She's got a really cool job. She gave me a backstage tour of the... all the dinosaurs and in the history museum or whatever, the natural history museum. And it's amazing. It was just crazy that you're just sitting there looking at things that are millions and millions and millions of years old. And you're just like one foot away. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, And then in the seventies, the Nerf ball was born and baby alive, which I've already shared my aunt story and stretch Armstrong, which I loved and star Wars. Oh my God. I had all the star Wars action figures. I love star Wars so much. You're a star Wars person. Oh my God, I'm such a Star Wars person. Mm-hmm. And when Star Wars came out, um, my, that was back in the day when your parents didn't care where you are at any time. And so my mom let me, and that back then, I think movies cost like a dollar. And my oh. mom let me go see Star Wars 12 times. Oh my in God. The, in the theater. In the theater. I saw it 12 times in 1977 or whatever that was. Good and gracious. she would just drop me off. I was like seven. It's <laughs> like, <this is> crazy. <laughs> She's but like, well, yeah, at least I know but, where she is. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, anybody could have been in that theater. But anyway. Mm, um, a bunch of Star Wars fans. I don't know if there was much to worry about. Yeah, maybe not. They were all pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I, I was a total Star Wars fan. Um, loved it so much. Had just such a, I don't know, just an affinity for the whole nostalgia. Like, just like. You know, there's there was this loss, and then they recovered from the loss, and they were superheroes, and they had this force, and I always was pretty sure I had that too. And then in the '80s, obviously Cabbage Patch, but also Polly Pocket and My Little Pony. Do you remember? Oh wait, I was gonna yes, say completely wrong. I loved My Little Pony, and actually, so I never had any My Little Ponies, and I used to be so jealous, and I also never had any Polly Pockets, and I was very jealous of kids who had Polly Pockets too. Um, but at some point, like a couple years ago, my oldest son, who 
I think he was like three at the time. He like became obsessed for like two weeks with My Little Pony. And so I got him some and it made me so happy <laughs> because I never Aww. had any when I was little. And I was like, yay, now I have My Little Pony. And my oh, husband's like, really? So My Little Pony? And I'm like, whatever. He wants to play with this toy because he's three. Who cares? And after two weeks, he didn't care anymore. But now we have them in my house. <laughs> Oh, that's really cute. Oh, I don't know what decade it was, but what about like the G.I. Joes and like the Masters of the Universe action figures? My husband had all those stuff, all those like action figures. We have the Masters, some Masters of the Universe ones. They like came back around, I think. And my husband bought them for my kids because they're so cool. Yeah. Every toy that my my husband had when he was little, my kids now have. And I'm like, really? Like, Do we need this? Yeah, yeah, you totally need that. I don't even know what you're talking about. You have seen pictures of that playroom. I don't think (laughs) we need it. Oh, yeah, we have a lot. The 90s was like American Girl dolls and Tickle Me Elbow and Furbies. Furbies were huge and Beanie Babies too. We had Furby. It was weird. Yeah. Those were one of those toys that like you had to have. And then it's like, what is the point of this thing besides being like weird and creepy? And then Beanie Babies was like my era. Because we had, yeah. like, I had a friend who had, like, a room in her house full of Beanie Babies. Like, she was one of those people who was convinced, like, she was going to make millions on Beanie Babies one day. And she had, like, all the collector edition ones. And she was so cool. And now it's like, oh, wow. That was weird. Um, one time at band camp. Just kidding. One time <laughs> when I came back from maternity leave, I went back to my agency and my team had made up a fake person to be at my desk because I was kind of a germaphobe. And so when I arrived back on day one after my maternity leave, P.S. like so postpartum was ridiculous. I came back and there were all these beanie babies at my desk, oh they were all over my desk, all in the shelves. Like they were <laughs> everywhere. And they were like, Oh, you're just sharing your space with this lovely person. I think her, oh, I'm going to say her name was like Megan or something. And um, I was like, I hate beanie babies. Get them out of my desk. I was, <laughs> I was so postpartum. And I, I was like, they're trying to get rid of me. They've given my desk away. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so she had put Beanie Babies um, all over my desk. But it turned out like a week later, it turned out that there was this big reveal and my whole team came and it was hilarious. She was fake. They had created a fake person to mess with me <laughs> when I came back from maternity leave my gosh i feel like they were very bored during your maternity leave if they had the time no. to like you're talking a about a bunch of, no dude you're talking about a, about a bunch of advertising creatives they weren't bored that's just what they did <laughs> that was like their <laughs> life like how can we create an entire life for someone i mean she had a facebook profile she had like oh my gosh you know, oh my god it was the whole thing she was t- she was um, posting about me on Facebook and she <laughs> left me messages. She would leave, drink with drinks with like lipstick and tissues. And it was crazy what they did. Oh my gosh. Um, oh yeah. It was really, really, really well done. It was like the best prank ever. And they didn't tell my husband cause we were, we both worked at the same agency and they didn't tell him cause they knew that he would tell me, but I was going home every night, like crying, like they don't oh. want me to be there. Blah, blah, blah. But it was just a big joke. It was hilarious. But anyway, best practical joke ever. But Beanie Babies, like I hated them. I was like, get those 
freaking things out of my desk. <laughs> um, and then in the 2000s, there just hasn't been a whole lot. Like Bratz and Zuzu. Remember Zuzu? Everybody had to have that. The no, Zuzu thing. I have no idea what that is. Oh my God. It's like my kids had it. It's like a little furry thing that you wind it up and it, it looks like a rat and it just zips across the the, ro- the room. Yeah, it's kind of whatever. But that no was a big on that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's all the nostalgia toys I can think of. I'm sure there are a lot more and I'm sure I missed some really great stories that people told me. And I'm sorry um, if I didn't get to tell your story, but boy, I got some really funny, funny stories from all of people's encounters with their toys when they were little. So thanks for hanging out with us for a little while talking about nostalgia toys. Um, coming up next, next Tuesday will be our, our second segment of Way to Katie because she ain't married yet. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, we'll do a weekly wrap up. And then next Thursday, I think we're talking about fad diets, right? Yeah. We're going to do like a new year, new you talk about all the fad diets, all the like weird exercise contraptions. Um, and then also talk about some current exercise machinery that's on the market that has become kind of cult favorite type of stuff and all the branding behind it all and all that fun stuff. Um, are we going to talk about Peloton? Because I really sure want to talk about okay. Because I really want to yeah. talk about that Ryan Reynolds commercial with Peloton because it is yeah. hilarious. Every um, Ryan Reynolds, everything is hilarious. I just love him. I just love him too. <laughs> I love him so much. Maybe we do a series once we're through with. Well, our royal ones are going to keep going, and then after our, I don't think we've said who our next brand series is on here, but maybe one day we'll do a Ryan and Blake one. That would be so fun because you know right. he wasn't always popular. His brand no. was not. Yeah, he kind of had some. Remember, ups he and downs. Uh, two guys a girl. What was it two guys a girl in a pizza place? And yes. remember, he was like engaged to Alanis Morissette, and she was very clearly like the more famous person in that relationship. Um, well, he was married, married to, to Scarlett, Scarlett Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but she clearly likes comedians because then she married Colin Jost or whatever, and he's a funny yeah. guy too. But um, I think Ryan and Blake are just like goals. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. I love so much. They're I love her and, so much. I love him so much. Together, I just like, ugh, I can't. My heart can't take it. I love them so much. <laughs> so we should definitely do do Ryan and Blake and maybe do Ryan separately just because he's done so much with his brand. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, with like... And, Mint Mobile. And he owns an agency called Maximum Effort. I would love to. And his aviation gym. And the soccer team. <laughs> oh, right. Rexham. Like, that's a great show. Whatever. Okay. So we're totally going to do him. I don't know yeah. when he's coming up, but he will at some point. So if you guys have any nostalgia toys that you want to talk about or have stories, please drop it in the comments or drop us a line. We'd love to hear about it. And we'll, maybe we'll revisit again next year before Christmas. <laughs> um, we meant to put it out before Christmas, but our friend over there, as you know, got the cocoa. So yeah. um, there we are. But anyway, I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.